A short account of the life of George Whitfield, Chapter 3. From the time of my first leaving the university to go to Gloucester till the time of my ordination, as fast as I got strength, after my sickness, my tutor, physician, and some others were still urging me to go into the country, hoping thereby to divert me, as they thought, from a too intense application to religion. I had for some time been aware of their design and wrote letters beseeching my mother, if she valued my soul, not to lay her commands on me to come down. She was pleased to leave me to my choice, but finding at last it was necessary for my health and many other providential circumstances pointing out my way, after earnest prayer for support, by the advice of my friends, I left my sweet retirement at Oxford and went to Gloucester, the place of my nativity. Having now obtained mercy from God and received a spirit of adoption in my heart, my friends were surprised to see me look and behave so cheerfully after the many reports they had heard concerning me. However, I soon found myself to be as a sheep sent forth amongst wolves in sheep's clothing, for they immediately endeavored to dissuade me, as they had lately done a friend that began with me from a constant use of the means of grace, especially from weekly abstinence and receiving the blessed sacraments. But God enabled me to resist them steadfast in the faith, and I, by keeping close to him and his holy ordinances, I was made to triumph over all. Being unaccustomed for some time to live without spiritual companions, and finding none who would join heartily with me, no, not one, I watched unto prayer all the day long, beseeching God to raise me some religious associates in his own way and time. I will endeavor either to find or make a friend. It had been my resolution now for some time, and therefore, after importunate prayer one day, I resolved to go to the house of one Mrs. W., to whom I had formerly read plays, spectators, popes, Homer, and such like trifling books, hoping the alteration she would now find in my sentiments might, under God, influence her soul. God was pleased to bless the visit with the desired effect. She received the word gladly. She wanted to be taught the way of God more perfectly, and soon became a fool, for Christ's sake. Not long after, God made me instrumental to awaken several young persons who soon formed themselves into a little society, and had quickly the honor of being despised at Gloucester, as we had been before them at Oxford. Thus all that will live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. My mind being now more open and enlarged, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over a possible every line and word. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I daily received fresh life, light, and power from above. I got more true knowledge from reading the book of God in one month than I could ever have acquired from all of the writings of men. In one word, I found it profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness every way sufficient to make the man of God perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good word and work. During my absence from Oxford, I spent three weeks at Bristol, where I went to see some relations, but could not do them much good because of the prejudices they had conceived against me. 
However, I daily walked with God, and going to visit an aunt then in an almshouse there. God brought in my way a young woman who was hungering and thirsting after righteousness. She received the word into an honest and good heart, and since has proved a true follower of Jesus Christ. So gracious was the Lord even in these my very early days not to leave himself without witness, and that he thus vouchsafed to bless my poor endeavors in every place whereto his providence now sent me. According to his abundant mercy, he also raised me up some temporal supplies. For some considerable time I had followed the examples of Professor Frank, and whenever I wanted any worldly assistance pleaded the scripture promises for the things of this life, as well as that which is to come in the name of Jesus Christ. This is still my practice, and I never yet failed of success. When I came from Oxford, on account of my sickness and other extraordinary and unavoidable expenses, I owed, I think, about twelve or thirteen pounds. And when I went to Bristol, I was so poor that I was obliged to borrow money of my kind hostess, Mrs. H., with whom I lodged at Gloucester, and whose husband and family I pray God eternally to bless, to bear my charges on the road. This, I bless God, did not dishearten me, but I continued pleading the promises in the name of Christ, and soon after coming to Bristol I received an answer. For a brother of mine coming from the sea, God inclined him to give me four guineas and some other necessities. And when I returned to Gloucester, as I did after I continued a short time at Bristol, those I expected should assist me did not. But persons I never spoke to, and who I thought were my enemies, were raised up to supply my wants and fulfill that promise which I always pleaded. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Oh, what sweet communion had I daily vouchsafed with God in prayer after my coming again to Gloucester. How often have I been carried out beyond myself when sweetly meditating in the fields. How assuredly have I felt that Christ dwelt in me and I in him. And how did I daily walk in the comforts of the Holy Ghost and was edified and refreshed in a multitude of peace. Not that I was always upon the mount. Sometimes a cloud would overshadow me, but the Son of Righteousness quickly arose and dispelled it, and I knew it was Jesus Christ that revealed himself to my soul. I always observed as my inward strength increased, so my outward sphere of action increased proportionably. In a short time, therefore, I began to read to some poor souls twice or thrice a week. I likewise visited two other little societies besides my own, and almost every day, both then and since, have found the benefit of being tempted myself, because that alone taught me how to give proper advice to those that came to me when tempted. Occasionally, as business and opportunity permitted, I generally visited one or two sick persons every day, and though silver and gold I had little of my own, yet... In imitation of my Lord's disciples who entreated in the behalf of the fainting multitude, I used to pray to him, and he, from time to time, inclined several that were rich in this world to give me money, so that I generally had a little stock, for the poor always in my hand. One of the poor whom I visited in this manner was called effectually by God, is at the eleventh hour. 
She was a woman about threescore years old, and I really believe died in the true faith of Jesus Christ. About this time, God was pleased to enlighten my soul and bring me into the knowledge of his free grace and the necessity of being justified in his sight by faith only. This is more extraordinary because my friends at Oxford had rather inclined to the mystic divinity, and one of them, a dear servant of the Lord, lately confessed he did not like me so well at Oxford as the rest of his brethren, because I held justification by faith only. And yet he observed, I had most success. But blessed be God, most of us have now been taught this doctrine of Christ, and I hope shall be willing to die in the defense of it. It is the good old doctrine of the Church of England. It is what the holy martyrs in Queen Mary's time sealed with their blood, which I pray, if need be, that I and my brethren may seal with ours. Henry Burkett's and Matthew Henry's expositions were of admirable use to lead me into this and all other gospel truths. For many months have I been almost always upon my knees to study and pray over these books. The Holy Spirit from time to time has led me into the knowledge of divine things, and I have been directed by watching and reading the scripture in this manner, even in the minutest circumstances as plainly as the Jews were, when consulting the Urim and Thummim at the high priest's breast. Joseph Alain's alarm to the unconverted Richard Bexer's Call to the Unconverted, James Janeway's Life, which I read at leisure hours, much benefited me. I bless God the partition wall of bigotry and sect religion was soon broken down in my heart. For as soon as the love of God was shed abroad in my soul, I loved all of whatsoever denomination who loved the Lord Jesus in sincerity of heart. During my stay here, God enabled me to give a public testimony of my repentance as to seeing and acting plays. For hearing the strollers were coming to town, and knowing what an egregious offender I had been, I wrestled with God in prayer to put me in a way to manifest my abhorrence of my former sin and folly. In answer to this, I was stirred up to extract William Law's excellent treatise entitled The Absolute Unlawfulness of the Stage Entertainment. God gave me favor in the printer's sight, and at my request, he put a little of it in the news for six weeks successively, and God was pleased to give it his blessing. Having been absent for about six months from the university, I thought it time to think of returning there, but before I came to a resolution, I was convinced of the contrary. At my first coming to Gloucester, being used to visit the prisoners at Oxford, I prayed most earnestly that God would open a door for me to visit the prisoners here also. Quickly after, I dreamed that one of the prisoners came to be instructed by me, and it was impressed much upon my heart. In the morning, I went to the door of the county jail. I knocked, but nobody came to open it. I thought the hour was not yet come. I waited still upon God in prayer, and in some months after came a little letter from a friend at Oxford desiring me to go to one Pebworth, who had broken out of Oxford jail, and was retaken at Gloucester. As soon as I read this letter, it appeared to me that my prayer was now answered. Immediately I went to the prison, 
assuredly gathering that the Lord called me there. I met with a person, and finding him and some others willing to hear the word of God, and having gained leave of the keeper and two ordinaries, I constantly read to and prayed with them every day I was in town. I also begged money for them, in which I was enabled to release some of them, and caused provision to be distributed weekly amongst them, as also to put such books into their hands as I judged most proper. I cannot say any one of the prisoners was effectually wrought upon. However, much evil was prevented. Many were convinced that my own soul was much edified and strengthened in the love of God and man. Thus employed, I continued in my own city three months longer, despised indeed by man, but highly blessed by the grace of God. My understanding was enlightened, my will broken, and my affections more and more enlivened with a zeal for Christ. Many such, I believe, were added to our little society as shall be saved. Fresh supplies came from unexpected hands to defray my expenses at the university, and at the end of nine months I returned there to the mutual joy and comfort of my friends, till I was called to enter into holy orders, the particular circumstances of which I shall relate in the following section. End of chapter 3